We're gonna get started. If you guys are new in the room and have no idea what we're doing, we're in this series called The Story of God. And uh, we're in this part of the series and really only have a couple weeks left where we are looking specifically at the life of Jesus when he was on this planet. And what happened in the four gospels, the first four books of the, of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so that's where we're at tonight. That's where we've been the last few weeks. And the week after winter break will be kind of the last time that we'll look at this particular part before we move forward. And, um, and so we've been looking at how the hero has come into the story, right? He's bringing his kingdom down to this earth. And that Jesus was not just kind of a new character in the story, but rather this story that we're talking about, he is this main character. And back before the beginning even started, Jesus was there with God in the beginning, that he was there at creation. And not only was he there at creation, but he was, creation was made through him and because of him and for him. So he was there. And part of God's plan since before the beginning was, hey, when sin makes a mess of this story and this plan that we have, Jesus is going to step into this story on the planet and he's going to right the wrongs and he's going to bring freedom and hope and life and forgiveness of sin. He's bringing his kingdom down to this earth to bring hope and life to people. And so that's where we're at up to this point. And so we've been talking about how Jesus has come on the scene. And because of that, Jesus came in humility and he came to rescue us. And he came, like we talked about last week, in power that he performed these miracles and he did these great signs and wonders and the people were amazed by what he was doing. But part of what Jesus, in Jesus performing these miracles and some of the things that he has done was not just for the miracles themselves. As great as those things were, there was a greater purpose that he was trying to accomplish. So it wasn't just about healing that person of the disease. It wasn't just about the miracle itself. What Jesus had was a message that he was bringing to this planet. He was coming to offer a, a message of hope and life and forgiveness and freedom from sin. But as Jesus is talking about these things, and especially as he's performing miracles, like we said last week, he started attracting this crowd. And people were, were amazed by some of the things that Jesus could accomplish. But as he starts proclaiming this message... Jesus starts talking in some, not crazy ways, but just starts making these statements that the audience found it very difficult to hear and actually live out. So he would say things like this, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Or he would say, if you want to be first, you've got to put yourself last. Or he would command the audience to, hey, you need to love your enemies. Or when, when people hurt you, don't get even. He would say, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. He would even come in and say, hey, if you are lusting after another person, you've been just as guilty of committing adultery in your heart. Or he would say, if you hate someone, you've committed murder in your heart. He would say, if you love your father or your mother or anybody else more than me, you can't follow after me. He would even tell people, if you follow after me, you're going to be hated because of that. And he would also say, you must, and repeat a commandment that was given to the Israelites in the Old Testament, that you must worship and serve only me. 
So he would make these bold statements, these these difficult things for the audience to hear. And as the people heard them, there were a lot of people that would look and go, now, you know what? I'm good. Like, I I don't know that I can follow after this guy and some of the commands and the things that he's saying. Hey, Jesus, go back to the miracles and some of the things that you were doing, because I like that. But a lot of people, as they heard Jesus making these statements and these commands about what it looked like to follow after him, they had a decision to make. Is following after Jesus really a better life? Now, fast forward to you and I today, and we're still having to decide that same thing. Right? You and I still, we hear these commands that God gives. We, we hear the message that Jesus is proclaiming. And you and I still have a decision to make. Is it worth it? Jesus, is that really a better life than the life that I could live on my own? Right, because it's, it's difficult to hear the message that Jesus had. And I think especially we are in a culture nowadays and there is this perception that in order to experience the best life possible, you have to have control over your life and be able to make decisions that you want to make on a, at any given moment. Right, so the path to the best life is you having control, you deciding every single day what you want to do. And then there is also that perception in our culture of what Christianity is. And, and the outside world looks at Christianity and they go, man, it's, there's no freedom, right? It's just Jesus gives these commands and these statements and it just restricts people's freedom. And they don't have the ability to do whatever they want to do. And it's no, it's no fun, right? And so there is this idea that the culture is doing whatever they want and there's such freedom in that. And yet when it, when it comes to following after Jesus... It's restrictive and limited and freedomless. And the question, maybe you guys have have felt that, maybe you feel that tonight. And the question that we're wrestling with and thinking about is how could following Jesus be better than living for yourself? How could following Jesus be better than living for yourself? Now, even though Jesus said these difficult things and and these really tough things for the audience to hear, he would often tell stories where he would give the audience two options and and they would pick, right? He'd say, hey, you, you can either do this or you can do this. And he had never at any moment forced that message on people or say, you, you have to do this. Now he, he's God and so he's stepping into the story so he knows what's going to bring life and freedom. But he's saying, if you choose this way, this is, this is going to be the result. If you choose this way, this is going to be the result of that. And it was up to the audience to choose what they wanted to do. For example, in Matthew chapter 7, in verse 13 and 14, Jesus tells this story and he, and he kind of paints this picture And he says this, he says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Now we immediately hear that and we go, see, there's Jesus restricting our freedom, right? That sounds like such a, such a limited view 
there's this wide road and you feel like you've got all this freedom, but hey, if you wanna follow me, if you wanna experience the kingdom of God, there's this narrow gate and this narrow road that you've gotta follow. And it immediately sounds restrictive that we've gotta find some narrow road that pulls us away from the path that other people are on. But I think even in this statement, in these couple verses, Jesus is warning us that it is impossible for us to walk both roads. It is impossible for us to say that we are a follower of Jesus and yet still try to live like the world around us. And that's really, really difficult for us to hear. And if we look around and decisions that we make are the same decisions that everybody else is making, then it may be a good indication that we're on the wrong road. And what makes this so difficult, and especially for your generation and for you as high school students, is I think in a lot of cases we feel that pressure to not make any decision that's going to cause us to stand out. Right now, not all of you guys feel that way. Some of you guys don't really care and you're willing to do that. But I think there is this kind of general perception, especially for for you guys in the life that you're at right now as teenagers, is that, man, I, I feel the pressure to kind of fit in. Like, I don't want to make decisions that's going to cause me to look different than other people. I mean, acceptance is such a huge deal. And so if I make this decision, if I take this step, then it's going to pull me away from what other people are doing. And I'm not sure that I'm willing to do that. And we're concerned that if we make decisions that goes against the grain of the culture, that it's going to create a negative perception or it's going to create a negative reputation or all of a sudden it's going to create this negative label on us that we're not willing to accept. And so because of those concerns, a lot of times we just kind of play it safe and we just kind of go the direction that everybody else is going. And I wonder if maybe we're concerned about the wrong thing. Because as Jesus is telling this story, and for our lives tonight, I don't think Really, the issue is not whether or not the road that we're on is wide or narrow. The issue is, where does this road take us? Where, where does this lead us? I think that's really the issue and, and the concern that we've got to look at when it comes to our lives. Now, this week I was reminded of an article that I'd seen a couple years ago that kind of speaks into this. All right, and this is kind of a humorous look at this, luckily because no one got hurt. But here's here's the news article. It says, a woman in Washington state was arrested and charged with a DUI and reckless endangerment for driving on the wrong side of the interstate for 18 miles. I don't know how you drive on the wrong side of the interstate for 18 miles, but she did it. The woman hit speeds of over 100 miles an hour during the trip. The state patrol troopers tried their sirens, spotlights, and even the PA system on their patrol cars, but nothing seemed to capture the attention of the driver who was careening north on Interstate 5 in the wrong direction. One trooper raced alongside the car on the northbound lanes of the freeway, trying to alert the driver that she was headed toward potential disaster. Others tried to to deploy spike strips, but were initially unsuccessful Because, quote, the driver was all over the place using all the lanes. 
Cars in the southbound lanes flashed their high beam lights on the oncoming car, trying to warn the driver. Some narrowly avoided head-on collisions. Finally, after the wrong way driver covered nearly 18 miles, they found the driver, a 60-year-old woman, was intoxicated, confused, and had, quote, no idea what was going on. Now, again, this is a, a funny story because no one got hurt. But as I read that story, I thought, man, I think there's a lot of us that are like that lady in the story. That you and I, sometimes we may find ourselves headed in the wrong direction and we don't even know it. And there are all kinds of warning signs that are out there that are trying to tell us the direction that we're headed and the road that we're headed down and where that road's going to end up. But we keep ignoring them and we feel like, man, if I just keep on this road, if I just keep going in this direction, I'm going to figure things out. At some point, it's going to work itself out. And so when it comes to whether it's sex and relationships, we do what everyone else is doing. We get wrapped up into pornography because all of our friends are as well. We get even when people hurt us because that's just the normal thing to do. Right? We worship all of these other things because the culture in which we live tells us that these things are valuable. And our mindset is, hey, it's, it's my life and I can do what I want. And at least no one's telling me what I can and can't do. And no one's restricting my freedom. And I feel like I've got control of this. And if I just keep heading in this direction, that it's all going to turn out okay. And Jesus in this story is saying, hey, look, there's a lot of people on that road. And you may feel like you've got all the freedom in the world to make this decision. But the question is not how many people are following down this path. The question is, where does this road end up? And Jesus makes it clear that the end of the road, the final destination for people who are on this wide road is destruction. That there's no other result, no matter how much we want to try to tell ourselves that, no matter how many other people may have these convincing arguments otherwise, Jesus is saying, look, there is only one result at the end of this road. And many of us are going to be surprised to find ourselves at the place that we find ourselves in because we have no idea that it's going to end in that destination. But that's what Jesus is telling us. And this is the whole reason why Jesus stepped into the story in the first place. Because that road was wide and everybody on this planet was headed in the same exact direction. That's why Jesus entered the story. That's why Jesus stepped into this to provide a different way. And not just a different way, but to provide a better way. To say there's a much different destination for those of us, for those of you that follow down this path that I'm creating. And if you will follow after me, Jesus promises over and over again in the gospels that it's going to lead to life. That we're going to experience hope and freedom. And there's so many verses. And if you want to write these down, I'm going to go through these real quick. But here are some 
just some I am statements that Jesus gives where he is making these declarations that, hey, if you follow me, even though that road is narrow and it's difficult, it's going to lead to the right destination. John 6.35 says, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And John 8.12 says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow after me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. In John 10, starting in verse 6, he says, I tell you the truth, I'm the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and to destroy at the end of that wide road. He says, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And then the very next verse in verse 11, he says, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. John eleven twenty five 25 says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. John 14, 6, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. And then in John 15, 5, I love this passage. He says, I, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I remain in them. If you walk down that narrow path, you will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So over and over again, Jesus is, is putting it out there that, yes, there is this wide road and you may feel like it leads to freedom, but I'm offering something different, something better. And Jesus is making all of these declarations and all these promises that the road that he wants to lead us down, even though it may be narrow and difficult, and it may cause us to go against the grain of the culture, or it will cause us to go against the grain of the culture, that it leads to the destination where we experience the kingdom of God. So I was thinking of a, a way that, to kind of bring this a little bit into light, make this, make this a, a little bit more sense. Make, that didn't even make sense. Allow this to make a little bit more sense. There you go. So I went to Walmart today. Let me pick the fish tank. And uh, let me pick the color light. You can't even see the colors change, man. That's not cool. There's all different colors. We'll go with pink. We'll go with that one. All right, so I haven't named these fish. At the end of this, I'll give it away. If somebody wants to take these fish home, fish tank, God bless you. You can come find me afterwards. Um, but I, I, promised, I promised people in the office today that these fish would not die, Okay. So if you kill these fish, they're going to be upset with me and you. All right, so here, so lovely fish tank. Got two fish. You can name them. I haven't named them. All right, I don't care that much. But this is, this is in a lot of ways kind of how we feel sometimes. We feel like there's all this freedom out there, right? And we feel like, man, we've got the freedom to do what we want. And man, all our friends are doing it. And it's, this is just the easy path and and it, we feel in so many ways like this is just a better life to live. 
And in essence, what it's like doing is if, if I took one of these fish out of here. Oh, calm down. Keep it cool. So let's take the gold one here, right? Now look, chill. All right, hey, the longer you hold me up, the longer he's going to be out of water. So look, you may feel like, look, fish, you've got all of this freedom out here, right? All this, you got, you can go any path you want, any direction you want to go, right? All right, chill. Look, he's alive, all right? You guys like part of Peter or something? What's going on? You bunch of fish lovers. Look, you may feel like that fish may have the most amount of freedom when he's outside that fishbowl. Because look, you can go whatever direction you want. You can do whatever you want. You can live your life. There is the most that's out there. And yet, anytime that fish is outside of that tank, if I'm holding it in my hand like you saw, it's flopping around. There is only one result no matter how much freedom it feels like that fish has to be able to explore and do anything they want in this big room, there is only one result that's going to take place. That fish is going to die. Right? The only way that that fish is going to experience freedom is by looking at you with its sad little puppy dog fish eyes through the glass bowl. Right? Is living in this fish bowl. When it's in its element... When it is living as it was created to live is where it really experiences the greatest amount of freedom and life. It doesn't matter what's out there because there is nothing out there that's in that fish's best interest. Where the fish is going to experience the greatest amount of life and what it was meant to live for is within the confines of that water, right? Within the things, the resources that it needs to be able to not only to survive, but to actually live. And I think sometimes we look at this and we go, man, the the greatest amount of freedom is out there to do what I want. And yet Jesus is saying, look, I know all the things that you need in order to experience life. And you may feel like you've got the most amount of freedom out there, but you just got to understand that there's only one result from you living as the world, only one result to live. No matter how much freedom you may feel like you have, there's only one result. But if you will come to me, if you will allow me to give you life, I know all the things that you need in order to experience life and freedom and hope. I know what it's gonna take for you to navigate through this life and all of the craziness that you're gonna experience. And to come out okay in the end. And you may look at that and go, well, how, how does God even know that? How does God know what's best for me? Because God created you. Because God made you in his image. And he created you and he created you to know him and to love him. And to have a close relationship with him, which is the only source of us experiencing life in this world. And Jesus is saying, hey, there's the wide road. 
But there's also a narrow gate and there's a narrow road and there's a whole lot fewer people who are on it. But if you will walk down that road, if you will find that path, if you will allow me to lead you to a better way of life, then you will experience all the things that this life has to offer. Because I'm the one that created you and I know what you need in order to experience abundant life, in order to experience a rich and satisfying life. And so the main point for us tonight is Jesus hasn't come to restrict our life. He's come to provide a better way of life. So with this narrow gate and this narrow road and narrow path, and how how do we even get on this narrow path to begin with? Jesus says, if you want to experience the kingdom of God, you've got to enter through the narrow gate. And that narrow gate means that there's only one way that we can enter in there. And it's through a relationship with Jesus. It requires every single one of us to come to a moment in our life where we realize that we're walking down the wrong direction. And we realize that only hope and life is offered through Jesus. And so we put our faith and trust in Jesus as our Savior. Where we realize that Jesus came into the story to eliminate sin and pull it out from under, under us and in between us and God and to reconnect us back in that relationship with him. Faith and trust in Jesus as Savior. When we come to a place in our life where we put our faith and trust in Jesus as Savior, we enter in that narrow gate. It's not through religious activity. It's not by being good people. It's not by even trying to walk this Christian life on our own. Because in essence, what we're trying to do is we're trying to earn something from God that God is freely giving to us. And so Jesus is saying, you want to enter that narrow gate. I'm offering the forgiveness and the freedom from your sin. You've just got to reach out and accept it. It's already been paid for you. And I'm offering it to you. And when we come to a place in our life where we do that, then here's what Jesus says to us. He starts giving, yes, he gives some of these commands. And they run so against the grain of the culture. But Jesus is saying, hey, just follow me. There's going to be moments in your life where you're going to be tempted to kind of look over there and see where all your friends are doing and and look at that road that they're following down. And there's going to be that temptation. The enemy is going to try to pull you back into into that life and back onto that road. But hey, just follow after me. Hey, keep your eyes fixed on me. Hey, there's going to be things that I'm going to lead you into and you're going to have to trust me. I created you and I know what's best for you. And so you're going to have to trust me. It's going to be difficult and you're not always going to understand it. But if you'll just follow after me, just stay connected to me, listen to my voice and allow me to lead you down this path that's narrow and it's difficult. And you may feel a lot of times like you're the only one on it. But Jesus is saying, I promise you, I'm the bread of life. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. And I promise that at the end, you're going to experience all that you would hope for and more. And Jesus has bet his life on it. Because he knows that that's what connects us back to Jesus. What we were created for 
back before sin ever entered the picture, messed this up. And so by connecting ourselves to him, we experience what we were made for. And that's a relationship with him. Let's pray together. God, I know that there are students in the room who God may find themselves on that wide road. And God, that is, it is the easier path to take. It is the path of least resistance, but God, it is not the path that leads to life. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking in ways that words out of my mouth could never do. Would you just help students in the room tonight who may find themselves on that path that think that they've got all the freedom in the world to decide what they want to do with their life. God, to be able to take a step back and see the destination and where that road leads. And God, that they would turn to you and enter through that narrow gate of a relationship with you that you have given up your life to make possible. God, I pray if there are students in the room tonight that have never taken that step of salvation, God, that tonight would be the night that they do it. God, I pray for those of us who we find ourselves trying to walk out that road. We've put our faith and trust in you and that's the road that we're trying to walk down and yet in moments of difficulty or moments where we look and we feel like, man, all of our friends are on this other path, it'd be a whole lot easier if we just kind of turned around and went back in that direction. God, I pray that you would help us to see that even though sometimes your commands are difficult, that you empower us through your Holy Spirit to live those commands out. And God, you are inviting us every single day into this close relationship with you, to walk with you and to experience the life that you have meant for us to experience. And so God, may we live that out. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.